So, so how not to be a high-maintenance Christian? There's two parts of this, really, because one, we are high-maintenance anyway because God created us that way. We don't, we're not, we don't have our own sovereignty. We can't, we're not our own. We're, we're bought with a price by Jesus, but if we're not bought by Jesus, we're owned by the devil, we're owned by the world. Jesus said, you know, I am the true vine and you are the branches. Without me, you can't do anything. And so we have to be connected and whoever we're connected with is where we get our identity. And that's why we're having such an identity problem in our society because so many people are not connected to Jesus and they're connected to those other things and whatever flows down that vine, which is not the true vine, Jesus made sure he says the true vine because the way you make seedless grapes and we, you know, is you cut the vine and then you plant over there and it continues, but without seed. But remember in the garden, he says he's given up every seed-bearing plant for us to eat. And then he gives a promise about the seeds going to crush the head of Satan. So seed's very important. That's why he says, I'm the true vine, because he has seed. But there's so many things going out in this, in this world out there that that's, we can be connected to. And if we are, it's easy to walk in darkness. Or at least a half-lit walk with the Lord. And so... So our high maintenance in that way is we got to be connected with Jesus. But the high maintenance that I'm talking about is if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody and you for to keep that relationship on good terms, you really had to walk on glass. You really had to keep on giving and giving. You know, maybe they blow up. Maybe they have all these things that they demand. And it's just, oh, it's a high maintenance relationship. And too many Christians, I think, have a high-maintenance relationship with God because God can't get them to do anything unless he does this and this and this. How, what does God have to do for you? How much does he have to do for you to keep you happy and to get you to do what he wants, what's on his heart? Not just the desires of our heart, but also the desires in his heart. And I think way too many Christians are waiting for God to fulfill all the desires of their heart before they even look at the idea that God has desires as well. So in what you delight, you abide. Second message for this series, are you a high-maintenance Christian? It's going to be really interesting here. Now, this is scripture that we're talking about, Psalms 37, about delight. Let's look at the yellow part. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you desires of your heart. That's pretty much the only part of the scripture that most people know. In fact, if you read the stuff that comes before it and stuff that comes after it, there's a lot of stuff we don't want to hear, we don't like. And, uh, and I do, and I am going to go, not tonight, but I do have a, a teaching that's going to go through this whole passage. But uh, right now we're going to just focus on delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now that, that's... That particular scripture sounds a whole lot like John 15, uh, 15, 1 through 11. And let's jump down to where it says yellow. It says, Jesus goes on, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In fact, if you go back to uh, the scripture, doubt yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That word desires in Hebrew is only used one other place in the Old Testament. And at the place in the Old Testament, it's translated as request. And so if you were to use that same translation here, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the request of your heart. And isn't that what Jesus said? 
It says, if you abide in me, now isn't abiding the same thing, would be the same thing as delighting, because wherever you, wherever you abide is what you're going to delight. Abiding is where you make your house, it's where you make your home, it's where you have your free time, it's where you want to be. And if you're delighting in the Lord, delighting in God, then that's where you're going to be. And so Jesus pretty much is getting, you know, saying that scripture, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So when he said, if you delight in me, then you can ask. But let's read this whole passage because we're going to talk about this. It says, I am the true vine. My, fa my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so, to bear, so that may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word. So, you know, we've talked about some of this stuff, which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch that dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you, and abide in my love. If you keep my commandments and you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. So I'm going to be talking a lot about this passage here as we go about to find out where we abide and what we have delight. So abiding, delight in abiding. Delight's used in that passage in Psalms and abiding is used by Jesus. Whatever you delight in most is where you abide under most. Whatever you like doing is where I'm going to find you. <laughs> Rather be under the darkness or under the light, wherever that is. Wherever you delight in most is where you abide under most. So are you going to abide? Because we're talking about delighting, and, and, and we're going to pull up the scripture too about, about Eve, what she delighted in. So you're either going to abide under the tree of life, or you're going to abide under the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life is means, says God, you are... The, you know, you are the true vine. I'm the branch. I don't know what's best for me. I don't know my left from my right. So I need your guidance. I need your direction. Where the tree of knowledge of good and evil is the tree of trial and error. <laughs> Where I'm going to find out if it's good for me or not. But just like the analogy I gave, we have all these mushrooms out there. And at some point, somebody had to find out which ones you could eat and which ones you shouldn't eat. Well, if you ate the ones when you shouldn't eat, you might not get a chance to eat again. <laughs> so trial and error is not the way to go through life. It's much better to go to the tree of life and asking God what is the best thing to do rather than abiding on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But a lot of people delight under there. So under the tree of life and under the tree of knowledge of good and evil here. It says, under the tree of life, we are fed the choicest of meat of God. Remember when, you know, the disciples and Jesus was hungry, so Jesus told, hey, go get some food, go to Subway, whatever, and come back. And then Jesus was at that, I think it was at the well, and the woman at the well, and, 
And uh, she left, and the disciples come back and say, Harry, we got you, you know, a foot long here. And he's going, I'm not hungry. And they're going, would somebody else bring you something? And he's going, no, my meat, my food is a deal do the will of the Father. Uh, but under the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we are fed with whatever we can get, whatever we can manage, <laughs> whatever we can pull from the low-hanging fruit. Because I'm telling you, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is low-hanging, or the tree of life hung like, hangs like this. Under the tree of life, we bear fruit. Jesus said, for, for people to know that you are truly my disciples, you're going to bear fruit. But under the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're just going to bear iniquity. Even if you do good things, Jesus still considers that iniquity. And we, we went through a whole season in the life group over, over Carol talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus says, you shall know them by their fruit. He's talking about the people that are Christians, the disciples. You should know them by their fruit, their fruit, their love, their joy, their peace. Not their works, their fruit. What's coming out of a work. Because you can have two teachers up here, two pastors up here, saying the very same thing. And one's bearing fruit of love, joy, and peace. And the other one's a worker of iniquity because of where their heart is. Because of what they're trying to accomplish. You know, one is focused on love, joy, and peace, but the other one is focused on condemnation. Two people telling you to go to hell. One, you can feel their love and their mercy. The other person, you just feel condemnation and anger. And there's going to be many people say, Lord, Lord, let us in. And Jesus said, I don't know you. And they're going, why, why don't you know us? We used your name. We came to your church. In fact, we are ordained. We even cast out demons. And Jesus is going to say to him, he didn't say, you know, say to him, you workers of iniquity, get away from me. He didn't say you people of bad fruit. He said, you workers of iniquity. What do you mean? They did good things. But he called them workers of iniquity. And that's what's going to happen if you sit under the tree of knowledge of good and evil and try to figure out what is best for you to do is you're going to work iniquity even if it's a good thing. But if you're under the tree of life, you're going to bear fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and so forth. Under the tree of life, you get pruned. I, this has been very difficult for me. I've done some great things for the Lord that I was far as concerned, and I was okay with continuing to do them, but he pruned those things off. Going, God, that was good fruit. Why did you do that? Because <laughs> he wants me to bear more fruit. We need to always be content with life. But Paul says, I press forward. Because if we're content, but we still have things to do, we still have people to reach. So I was fine just reaching a couple people. That was comfortable. But no, he pruned that. That day went on, and so then I had to go to a different place so where I could bear more fruit and reach more people. But if we're under the tree of knowledge of good and evil, all we do is get fat. All you can do is take in and never give out. There's a lot of people in the church that come in and receive the goodness of God. They receive his word, but they don't ever exercise it. They don't ever exercise. And if you don't exercise and all you do is eat and don't exercise, then you're going to get large. But God expects us that when he comes in, that he gives us a call to action, a CTA. That when he gives us his word, that we should act upon it. We should have said, yes, God, and yes and amen. We're going to do these things with your help. 
Well, you shouldn't just come in and hear the word, but we need to. So how is this word applied to me? And there's anything in my life that do I need to change? Is there anything that I need to change in my life so that I can bear more fruit and not just get fat? Because I don't want to just be able to quote scripture and tell people a bunch of things, but then I'm not, you know, I'm getting puffed up. The scripture talks about that, you know, that, that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. I'm telling you what, if you think you know a lot and you go talk to some people and they don't care what you know, you're going to be deflated pretty quick. <laughs> and then you're going to have to decide, do I want to remain puffed up or do I want to walk in love? Because if you're going to walk in love, it means, means you're going to pursue people that just don't care. So we don't want to get fat. Under the tree of life, good is not good enough. Jesus said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the law and that of the Pharisees, and there's no way you can enter the kingdom of God. We all like to think we're good, and maybe we have good hearts in the means that we don't want to cause anybody harm or any problems. But I'm telling you, most of the time that good is only good because of the circumstances. And if circumstances got really bad, we don't know if you remain good. I mean, I'm looking out in the world now, and I look at people that are good people, and I'm wondering... As this world is going by, and if we do, you know, we end up, you know, not having enough food or not having enough resources because of our economy or whatever, I wonder if they would kill me to put in their own kid's belly. <laughs> and I think a lot of people do that. The first sin was over food, so why not the last sin? And I'm talking about the mark of the beast. And of course, well, people want to buy and sell because they need food for their family. So why wouldn't they kill me to you know, feed their family? But under the knowledge of good and evil, good is ever-changing plumb line. And in this nation, it's plummeting to what is good. Of God, it must be in him, it's righteousness. It says, be righteous as he is righteous, so that we are righteous. But it's fruit that we've got to stretch for. It's fruit that we need Jesus to lift us up. But as far as this world and the tree of knowledge, good and evil, it seems to be lowering and lowering and lowering where we don't have to get up. I'm talking about, I don't know, my, my niece and nephew, they're 14 and 16. And man, I don't know what it is with this, this generation, but it seems like every generation gets lazier and lazier. <laughs> I know, and even my generation, Generation X, I mean, if you go back to people cooking at home, going out and, and, and taking, you know, time to cook at home and provide a meal. And then the restaurants came out and some people began, no, we just need to you know, go out there and get to restaurants. And so they don't cook, they don't want to be bothered of cooking anymore. But it seems, and now you got this, all this DoorDash and Uber Eats is like, I can't even bother going out and getting my own meal or cooking my meal. So I'd rather pay somebody twice as much to bring me my meal. Well, I think my niece and nephew are 16 or 14. They're going to grow up and they're going, feed me. I and even and even Proverbs talks about this. The lazy man is so lazy he won't even bring a utensil up to his mouth. So it's possible. I'm too lazy to even put food in my mouth. So we don't want to live in the a tree of knowledge of good and evil to find out what is good and what is evil. Under the tree of life is we can ask our request. Delight yourself from the Lord and have the desires of your heart. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and the word abides in you, ask what you will and it will be done for you. 
But under the tree of knowledge of good and evil, our requests are largely ignored. Unless God wants to, out of his mercy, answer it, it just goes ignored because we're living on our own terms, being our own God. If we're going to be our own God, then we also have to be our own provider. So under the tree of life, Jesus said, you know, you abide in me and I abide in you, your joy is full. But under the tree of knowledge of good and evil, your joy is fleeting. Because even if you do get a good stretch of something that you enjoy, whether it you know, be a mate or whether it be a, you know, a, you know, a job opportunity, there's come a day that that's not giving you any joy anymore. Not like it did at first. Especially when it comes to emotional relationships or emotional job. I'm just, it just doesn't do it for me. I'm just not challenged anymore or whatever it is. So it's fleeting, but with the Lord, you abide in Him. Your joy can be full all the time. Under the tree of life, we are saved from the fire. But under the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we are thrown into the fire. We just read that passage where it says, if you're not bearing fruit, then you're dried up and cast into the fire. And one day, that tree of knowledge of good and evil is going to be plucked up and cast in the fire. And everybody who's abiding under that tree is going with it. But everybody who's under the tree of life who's bearing good fruit is going with that tree. And Jesus says, wherever I am, my servant's going to be as well. So Jesus withstood all three temptations. We're talking about your high-maintenance Christian. And if you're a high-maintenance Christian, then you're going to fall into temptation a lot. (laughs) But Jesus withstood all three temptations. So let's talk about this. Because these temptations have come for a reason. These temptations seek to bypass the delight in God and go straight for the desires of the heart. And we're talking about a garden that Eve was in. No sin. Everything in perfect imperfection. And all she had to do was walk with the Lord in the, you know, in the cool of the evening or cool of the day. But she wanted to bypass that and get something quicker because it says that she desires that the, that the forbidden fruit was desirable to her. And that's what happens. Even if we are born again, temptation still comes. It doesn't end. It still comes and it wants us to bypass delighting in the Lord and go straight for the fruit. Go straight for whatever we want, whatever thing we're lacking in this, in this life. So were the desires of Jesus' heart good? And were the desires of Eve's heart good? Of course, we're all going to say, yeah, Jesus is perfect without sin. And Eve, we're going, well, I'm not quite sure where you're going with this, Jeff, so we'll, <laughs> we'll just decline to answer well, let's read about Genesis 3, 6 or 7. It says, when the woman saw that, her, that the tree was good for food, that's not a lie. She didn't die like that, you know, like that mushroom out in the yard that would kill you. She didn't die from eating that. She ate it. I mean, she spiritually died, but she didn't physically die. So it was good for food. And that it was a delight to the eyes. Well, if you're delighting the Lord, it's okay to enjoy things. God has given all things to enjoy. But that's in joy. In fact, if we don't have the joy of the Lord, it's really hard to enjoy anything. 
Even if God gives it to you. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, that's what he's talking about. He says it's vanity and vanity. That, that you can't enjoy the very thing that God has given you because you don't know him. <laughs> and the tree was desirable to make one wise. That's true too. You can eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and, be, and become wise. You're not going to become wise like God is, but you're going to become wise. And she took from his fruit and ate, and she gave it also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. So they were wise. They realized they were naked. That's a pretty wise thing to do. If you're not quite sure of that, then in the morning, just walk straight out and find out how foolish you are. So she got what she wanted. She got some wisdom there. So were the desires of Jesus' heart good and were the desires of uh, Eve's heart good? Of course, Jesus, we know that we're talking about Eve here. So is anything wrong with good fruit? He said it was good. There's no, no refuting that. Is there anything wrong with looking at something that is obviously desirable or a delight? Does God have a problem with us wanting something, desiring something? No, he doesn't. Is there anything wrong with wanting to be wise? We have a, quite a few scriptures that God tells us to be wise. Be wise and serve and harm the dove. That wisdom is more wanted than an you know, apple and, and gold. So all those things that God would agree with. Yes, I created it. It's good. He didn't create anything bad or evil in the garden. So yeah, that's good. That's good for food. It's not one that's on the menu, but it is good. And yeah, desirable and wisdom. So let's look at Jesus, all the same temptations as Eve. Now, Jesus, was anything wrong with him being so hungry to eat a rock? <laughs> no. But he certainly was tempted to turn that rock into bread. But once again, that rock wasn't on the menu. It wasn't something that God said you can eat of. Anything wrong of wanting to save the kingdom of the world? Remember, Jesus was taken up and, and shown all the kingdoms of the world, and, and Satan says, bow down to me and I'll give you the kingdoms. Was there anything wrong with Jesus wanting to save the kingdoms, desiring to have those kingdoms? In fact, it says in Scripture that all the kingdoms of this world are made his kingdoms. So he knew it was coming. He asked God, he says, ask me of the nation and I'll give it to you. Remember, delight yourself the Lord and he'll give the desires of your heart. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. Ask what you will. So Jesus did ask for the nations of this world. So is anything wrong with wanting to save the kingdoms of this world? No. Anything wrong with wanting to show your trust with God and speed things up? Remember, Jesus was taken to the high point, the pinnacle of the temple, and said, Satan says, throw yourself off, because even the scripture says that God will send his angels to keep you from stubborn toes. And his brothers even tempted Jesus too. He says, well, if you're trying to be famous, you need to be you know, going out there and celebrating this rather than hiding all the time. But Jesus was refusing to eat of that low-hanging fruits of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, trying to figure out what is, what is the best for me. He said, I do nothing unless, I, unless the Father shows me. But there's nothing of want of trusting God because it was, it was, a, it was a test of trust. 
I went through this test like this back in 2009. In fact, for three years, God was showing me, that's why I have so much on the, the three temptations, because each year God would, I would just be tempted in that area so much in so many different areas. Well, one year I was tempted, you know, uh, I really felt God's call on my life that I saw how bad the world was. I wanted to get out there and preach and teach. And so, so I told my boss I'm quitting <laughs> and I did quit. And, uh, and that God blessed me, and I began riding, I began doing those things. And, and even my pastor began preaching how we had the protection of the angels. And, but there's something, but I wasn't eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I was eating from the tree of life, and I was just going, something is not tasting right here. There's something wrong. I said, God, what do you want me to do? They said, you are called, but just like Jesus, he says, I'm about my father's business, but what's not your time? Now, my boss, who was an agnostic, you know, or a hopeful agnostic, as he called himself, and he even told me before I left, he said, I'm not going to try to talk you out of leaving, because I know you just, you just, I want you to make a decision, it's going to happen. But he did say, after you go do what for God, what you want to do for God, come back here, and your job is open. And I had just happened to be reading Nehemiah that day, because Nehemiah told the king, hey, I want to go build the walls, and the king says, okay, you go build the walls and come back and serve me. <laughs> So that's what I ended up doing. But I really had faith and trust in God. So I could have tempted God. I could have said, I got faith. And that's what happens is, you know, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditches. And there is a faith. Faith is very important. Without faith, you cannot please God. But some people take faith to jump off a cliff that proves that they have faith in God. And that's what Jesus is being tempted to do, to speed things up. I could have sped things up because people, because, and people have known me that, Jeff, why do you get out of the pot and walk in fire? I am known to do some crazy things like that. But that's a temptation to, to force God to put you in a place before you're ready. And I've seen that happen multiple times. And sometimes, you know, the, the, the ministers fall away because they're too early. <laughs> and they're the ones who really love God, who truly dedicated to God, not for what they can get, but for what he's done for them. They endure, but it cost them a lot because they got there before there's time. And God warned me years ago, he says, Jeff, walk with me. Because if you go before me, people are not going to believe you. If you go after me, they're going to kill you. <laughs> So walk with me. God has a timing. And so, so it's not wrong to want to show that you trust God. And it's not wrong to want to think speed up. I mean, Jesus was at, when he was young, Mom, Dad, what, what's your deal? Don't you know about my father's business? <laughs> but it says that he obeyed his parents and he grew of wisdom, first of God and then of man. So even Jesus, which wasn't sin, but he was ready to get some things done. And when you see this world, I, I have to ask myself all the time, God, how much do you want me to get involved? And do you want me to get involved? Because so many times I got involved when he didn't want me to get involved. And it cost me something. But those things aren't wrong. So no and yes. So now let's talk about uh, the no list. God wants us to have the best of life. He created it for us. 
God created all things to be a delight and desirable. God said wisdom is more desirable than gold and trust in him is a way better. When we choose what we want to eat, uh, this is talking about the yes list, and we choose what we want to eat and God didn't have it on the menu. So God told Adam and Eve, you can have all these trees, everything that, that has seed bearing and everything that's a green herb, you can eat. But she wants to eat this one tree, this single tree that's not on the menu. And Jesus was tempted the same way. And this is a big temptation. I'm not going to really go into the depths of this one because it's a teaching of its own. But Jesus had power, supernatural power, to turn that stone into bread. And I've seen too many people filled with the Holy Spirit trying to live in the supernatural, in a sense of powers and gifts, rather than by the rules and laws that God has set out for man. Why go work and bring in food when I can just turn rocks into bread? Why would I want to do that? Too many people rely on giftings, and that's why so many people are falling. Now, my giftings of the Holy Spirit, we talk about the nine giftings, were very strong in the beginning. But God, but God warned me, he says, I don't want you to make a career or make a life focused on those gifts, because you'll, you'll, you'll crash. Focus on the everyday things and trust in my word to get you through the desert where I can bring rivers in the desert rather than trying to use your gifts to get to a place. Because people use their gifts to get to a place, but they don't have the character to keep themselves there. So there are rules to live by, and a lot of people think there's going to be a different set of rules when they die and go to heaven. Even Jesus had to deal with that. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a seed. The kingdom of God is like a woman of leaven. The kingdom of God is like this because people seem to think there's going to be a different set of rules. So why not live by the supernatural where I can just snap my fingers and have something done rather than go out? So Jesus would be tempted like that. And Jesus would look at that. That's not on the menu. Now, if God could provide a, you know, a ram for himself like he did for Abraham, God could provide one for Jesus, but he didn't. So Jesus said, no, I cannot live on bread alone, but by every word of the mouth of God. So he refused that temptation. All seed-bearing plants and all green herbs are available, but Eve chose the one that is edible but wasn't served. So we kind of talked about that. <laughs> Turning rocks into bread are not on the menu either. So I kind of, I guess, got ahead of myself, didn't I? When we delight in the creation more than the creator, as Eve did. Is that what she did? Because remember, she was in a perfect garden walking. Was that Sarge? Eve listened to the serpent and believed the creation more than the creator. Yeah. She was lied to. Yeah. And then she lied to her husband. Yeah. It, is, it says she delighted. It says what the fruit that she the forbidden fruit was a delight to her eyes. And then you have Adam following suit. It's hard to believe, unless you really get into the reasons why. Adam 
who was not deceived, he walked into eyes wide open, knowing full, full well, he didn't know what death was, but he took a hold of it. Sarge? Hypothetically, I had the same thing happen to me. I was married to a Christian, <laughs> and this Christian went astray, and I said no. Mm-hmm. What if Adam would have told Eve no, and Eve would have left him in the Garden of Eden? Yeah. Yeah, hypothetically that he could have died for her and saved her soul, because his blood was still perfect. But what you're talking about happens to us all the time, because remember Adam, and God says, why did you do this? And he blamed Eve, says, woman you gave me. Well, I, I, think, he was, <laughs> I think he was scared. I don't think sure he, he was. Really it says he was. I don't believe what he believed what he said. Because he could have said no. No, he could have, but we do that all the time. And maybe it's not our husband or our wife, but I've done some things that's wrong, and my first thing is, Lord, it's the church you gave me. <laughs> it's a congregation that caused me to... They, their beliefs caused me to do this, and God's going, they're deceived, blind, you weren't. You they, just, were, they, were, that's right. they were one. Mm-hmm. In the fact that God made Eve out of Adam's rib. Yeah. So, he could have said no. He could have, could have, but you know why he didn't? Because he delighted in Eve more than he delighted in God. <laughs> and, the reason, and there's a good reason for that, because God demands perfection. He could have said Man no. Man doesn't. <laughs> he could have said no. He could have said no, but he didn't. And he delighted in Eve more than he delighted in God. So we, de- so when we delight in creation more than the creator, as Eve did, and leave, a lot of people get into prosperity, get into different things. They ask for a wife, they ask for a husband, God gives it to them, and then they end up delighting in that very thing that God gave them more than the creator himself. In fact, a lot of people, Romans 1 is talking about that they love the creation more than the creator. So when they realize that there was a God. Yeah. And what they can make out of it, you know? All things are to be enjoyed, but joy or delight can only be had in the Lord. If you don't take joy in the Lord, it's really hard to enjoy anything that you have. At least without, you know, doing something that causes you to forget drugs, alcohol, or or, or Peter talks about being sober-minded because you can be drunk on all kinds of things. I'm not talking about alcohol or drugs. You can be drunk on a career. You can be drunk on... Uh, lots of things. So all things are to be joyed, but joy and delight can only be had in the Lord. Jesus delights in God more than all kingdoms of the world and refused to bow a knee. He refused to bow to Satan to get what he wanted. He refused to cut corners. And one more yes list is that when we desire wisdom on the first track, on the first track putting God to the test. So when we desire wisdom more more than God himself. Shortcutting God is not wisdom as Eve attempted. I have desires, which is, which is, we're going to talk about more desires about next week, about, you know, desires are of God. There is, there is a religion out there called Buddhism, which they believe desire equals sacrifice. So get rid of all desire or desire equals, you know, um, uh, pain and suffering. So get rid of your desires and you get rid of pain and suffering. That whole religion is based off that. But God did give us desires. 
So shortcutting God is not wisdom as Eve tempted. Jesus did not shortcut nor tempt God. So high maintenance Christians, hunger and thirst are over things not on the menu. <laughs> Often when I pray over my food, I usually pray, Lord, give me a hunger and thirst that only you can satisfy. Because we all have hunger and thirst for other things. But I don't want to be so parched that I forget to hunger and thirst after God that I'm desiring that I have a hunger and thirst over other things. And that's even included in the ministry. There's people that have a hunger and thirst for a bigger ministry than they do God. And only by the grace of God has God, you know, given me some checks throughout the time that I was, you know, getting ready to take a step of hunger and thirst for other things more than him. Delight more in the things of this world than of God. We should delight in your family. You should delight in your work. In fact, Ecclesiastes says that's one of the few joys that you really get <laughs> is God gives you work to do and you should delight in it no matter how much you bring home from it because no matter how much you bring home from it, you're not taking it with you. So why don't we make sure that you delight in your eight-hour work day? But we shouldn't delight in more things of this world than of God. And that's what I said last week. I think people are delighting in Egypt more than they're delighting in the kingdom of God. They're not ready for Jesus to come back. They don't want Jesus to come back yet. They still got a life to live. And the kids would be saved or something. Yeah. And that's the same thing I think God had had to send Moses and says, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you there until my people go, but they but the, but they won't let you go. Because even those people are crying out to me, they want to be set free. They don't want to be set free that free. Because they're still comfortable. And, and you find that later on, they're going, man. We had free food back in Egypt. <laughs> yeah, we had food rather than this, this manna. Yeah. So you can see that they desired the, the Egypt more than they desired God. Yes, Sarge? He had them out there for 40 years. That's a long time to eat onions, isn't it? <laughs> eat manna. He did send in some quail. He had water for them yep. because Moses hit that stick on that rock and he was supposed to speak to it. Yep. And they ate those quail until they threw up. So they got sick over eating what they wanted. Yeah, and that's what happens to us too when we desire too much of something. He's going, you want all that? I'm going to give as much as you can handle and you're going to get so much or you're just going to get sick of it. <laughs> so seeking an edge on wisdom other than seeking God himself. Wasn't that what Eve was doing? She was seeking an edge? And nowadays, isn't that what you're doing? Isn't wisdom kind of a game that I want to be smarter than my neighbor? I'm seeking an edge. And so, and God's not giving me the edge over my neighbor because that's just against his nature. <laughs> So I'm going to seek it myself under the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to find out how I can out-deal, out-will, out-do everything my neighbor rather than love my neighbor, rather than rejoicing that my neighbor got that position or that, or that job or whatever I'm looking for before I did. So seeking an edge on wisdom, that's what Eva's doing. She wanted to be control on how much she gets and that's us too. That's just the nature. So that's high maintenance Christianity. So CTA, call to action. 
So what are we going to do? One day the tree of knowledge of good and evil will be plucked up by its roots and burned along with all those abide under its branches. Jesus talked about that. If you're not attached to him, you're dried up. Only good for fire. Uh, who are you going to abide in today and tomorrow? As a new Christian, you're used to going back and forth depending on how committed you were and, and many other things. But all we can do is today, how, what am I going to abide under? Where am I going to keep my abode? Where am I going to stay planted today and tomorrow? In what or in whom do you get your greatest delight? So you can decide how I'm going to abide under Christ, but right now, be honest with yourself. Don't tell me. <laughs> where, what is your greatest delight? The Lord is probably telling you right now where your greatest delight is. And don't shake it off. Don't turn off the light. If God turns on the light, it's for your good. Don't turn it off. <laughs> so if your delight is in your children, if your delight is in a TV show, if God talks to you right in the middle of a TV show and says, I want you to turn it off and come pray, would you? <laughs> the telephone, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all kinds of things that's okay to delight in, but not more so than God. So if you want to find out where you abide, the Lord's telling you. So repent for having a hunger for the forbidden, even if it is good. Now, we don't know what would happen. I mean, that tree was good for food. So at some point, you know, hypothetically, people think that God wanted to eat, the, eat, that, eat from that tree with us around so he can explain a few things. Because it talks about, Paul talks about, says, make sure you don't have the deep, so-called deep knowledge of, the, of evil, but only know good. So maybe he wanted to eat that while we're telling us, that now this, this fruit is kind of dangerous here, so I want you to eat this, only eat this with me because i got to explain some things. Who knows? But it's okay to have a hunger and thirst, but maybe God has already told you. I mean, you know, I, I'm single, never got married, but there's this one girl, a godly woman, that I delighted in, that I wanted to, and God and spoke to me several times, no, but I kept pursuing her because... I wanted her. Now I did, you know, did pull back and told her. I said, "I, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I never really dated her because God got a hold of me pretty quick. But anyway, I was disobedient to God by pursuing. And there's nothing wrong with that woman. She's a good, godly woman. But she was forbidden for me. I said, "No, you can't have her. Why not? You, who cares? I mean, it's not my business. Why not?" And we can all want something that maybe our neighbor has, maybe somebody else has. And God says, no, that's just not, I don't want you to partake in that. A good thing, a helpful thing. But that's what happens with desires. Many times as a kid, we see somebody being praised and exalted, you know, over something. And all of a sudden I'm going, now if I can learn to do that, <laughs> I can get the same reward. Who says? <laughs> if God didn't gift you in that area, then you can't. So we want to repent for a hunger and a forbidden, even if it is good. Repent for loving and light in the world more than God. And repent for using God to get what you want out of life. We've all used God. I try to use God to get that girl. <laughs> I guess some people call that galvation. <laughs> so... 
So now take, take the time to get to know the Lord that you may delight in him more than the current desires of your heart. Because you're going to find out some of the desires of your heart are going to dissipate and no longer be there when you delight yourself in the Lord. Because Satan has put the desires, his desires in, in Eve's heart. He used her flesh and it put those desires in her heart. And she wanted something that God had forbidden that God never placed in her. And so the more we take the Lord, the, you know, so this one thing is, is what tree was Martha eating from? You remember the story of Martha, you know, working for the ministry, provide, trying to provide food, wash dishes, cook meals, and Mary's there set at the feet of Jesus, and Martha gets ticked off, says, Jesus, tell Mary to get up and help me. After all, she is the cook anyway. But what tree was Martha eating from? And what tree was Mary eating from? Two trees. Mary was abiding on the tree of Jesus, the tree of life. Taking eating of his fruit, love, joy, peace, long suffering. But but Martha was trying to get things done, trying to figure out what is good and evil. And didn't Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried about a lot of things. And Mary has the good part will not be taken from her. But what Martha had was taken from her. Her peace was taken from her. Jesus was in the house, but she had no peace. And how many people come? Yeah. And there's a lot of people that come into the church looking for Jesus. Jesus speaking. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep, not my voice. And they're speaking to the pastor, speaking to the teacher, speaking to, to the person next to you. And they can't hear Jesus whatsoever and they have no peace. So you're going to have to leave some things be undone if you're going to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn to delight in him more than the works of your hands. Martha had to learn that. I've had to learn that because I'm a go-getter. I'm like, if, it's, if, I, if I see something that needs to be done, and you've, you've probably heard that, if you're the one that sees something that needs to be done, then God has gifted you to get it done. Well, what if you're gifted to see everything that's undone? <laughs> I can't possibly do all those things. That's why I'm a teacher. In fact, you're supposed to come and hear from the apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist, pastor, and teacher so you can do the work of the ministry. But I'm not a hypocrite, and so I'd like to do the work of the ministry the way Jesus is, is I'm going to take you by the hand and go out and do it. But I am too tempted to do it all. And if, even if you don't show up, I'm still going to do it. And so I have to learn this myself, that some things are just going to have to be left undone. Jesus, if people in this house are going to have dinner, you're going to have to multiply something because I'm going to sit down and eat the words of your mouth because I cannot live on bread alone. I cannot live on what I can produce and what I can cultivate and what I can make. I can only live on what you're giving me out of your mercy and out of your grace. So are you a high maintenance Christian? I'm going to say that most of us are more high maintenance than we want to believe. I've been high maintenance. And I do have a teaching to show you how you can be low maintenance. <laughs> maybe we'll get to that, maybe not. But anyway, hope you got something out of this tonight. Something to take home and eat on, Sarge. One question. A tree of, of knowledge, good and evil, you think that tree had a seed in it? That seed? I don't know. Because he said you could eat of every seed tree that has a seed. 
Yeah. And but that one they couldn't eat of it. I'm just wondering, mm. did it have a seed? Yeah. Man, I don't know. I know I got a good. I got a good teaching. You know, of course, we did the fruit of the spirit, so I've got got a good teaching about, you know, eating seedless grapes, seedless watermelons, and and it's not focusing on that, but it's talking about all these seedless teachers and seedless preachers up there, where you got you got you got to always come back to them to be happy. You can never go home and rely on Jesus. You always got to come to them. They're seedless. But you know, we got trees from seeds. Yeah. You know, all over the place that they reproduce from, you know, their own kind. Yeah, maybe. But that one, you know, I'm just not yeah. too sure it had a seed in it. Yeah, maybe not. Sarge? I'm trying to say this right. <laughs> have you concluded with the message tonight? I have. Good day, sir. Well, I'm going to pray, so. <laughs> oh, well, okay, well, then you haven't. Okay, yeah, I can move the message. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, and we do ask for a hunger and thirst after you, Lord. We thank you for creating this world and creating for our delight, Father. But help us, Lord, and show us, Lord, show us, Holy Spirit, who leads us unto all truth, where we begin desiring something over desiring being in the presence of God, Lord. Design for ourselves what we think is best in our life. Thinking, you know, that we may make the right choices is through this trial and error, Lord. I don't want to go through another trial and error to find out that was a trial and that was an error, Lord. But Lord, I want to eat from your hand. I want to eat from your mouth, Lord. Your words are spirit and they are a life, Lord. They uphold me. Your word upholds, your power of your, of your, uh, the word of your power upholds me and upholds all things, Lord. So Lord, I ask your word to, to, to do its work, Lord. Your seed to do its work in each individual here, Lord, as they go home. And the people on the internet who are going to hear this, Lord, that it does a work in them, Father, that we may abide in you. And you abide in us, and we may ask what we will, Lord, and see it fulfilled. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.